First Peter chapter 2. We've been in a series now for a number of weeks. Of course, we had a little interruption last week as we went a different direction as the Lord led us to go. Uh, today, I want to get back to this. This is a series we've been in called Give It to God. All right, give it to God. If you haven't been a part of the previous uh, parts of this teaching, they're available to you at no cost. Just go to the website. You can watch. You can listen. You can download. And I think it'll be helpful to you and be a blessing in your life. Uh, this series, we start in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so our job, one of our positions, one of our functions as a holy priesthood in the new covenant is that we would offer up spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Whenever we talk about offering things up or offerings, uh, it's very important that we know what these terms, what this function means to God, not just what it means to people, all right? I don't want to live my life in a relationship with God based upon what everyone else thinks about what I'm doing, about what I don't do, as opposed to what the Lord thinks about what I do and what I don't do. I need to have a consciousness of him, whether he is pleased with how I'm thinking, what I'm doing. Of course, he's pleased with us as his children automatically, period, said and done. But then our behavior is, is another thing. And we want to be mindful of his will, of his desire. What does he think about this offering up of spiritual sacrifices? All right, And that's what we're trying to get at, trying to get a deep, well-rounded understanding of his involvement, of his viewpoint, so that we can do what we do by faith. We can do what we do with confidence, with uh, knowing that we're, 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 you know, we're doing things the right way, the right time, so forth, okay? Now, I have discovered, and believe this to be accurate, if you were to study a number of verses of Scripture, that if a person does not get this area of their life in order, if they don't get things straight in this area, they really cap their spiritual progress. Meaning, if I don't get in order the issue of my offerings to God, the things that I present to Him, some of them are intangible. Some of them are most certainly material possession stuff. But if I don't have that in order, I can only go so far in the Lord. You'll find if you study the Scripture that it is, it is an elementary aspect of the believer's life when we talk about giving. We talk about generosity. It's not some advanced high-end principle. It's really something that is, is more elementary. And so if I skip over that, I might think I'm in college, but I'm really in the nursery. Huh? I don't want to be in the nursery very long. I don't know. I don't really remember it. Maybe it's good in there. But, <laughs> you know, spiritually speaking, I want to, I want to move on. 
I want to experience the great riches of God's grace and love and power and might understand His ways in all things. And this is a very key component to that. So I've got to get this right. And then I can keep going. All right. And so here's the deal. Today in this series, I haven't talked to you about this other than maybe a brief mention. But I want to, I want to talk to you about the tithe. Okay. Have you ever heard the word tithe? Yeah, it's a biblical word, uh, and I want to talk to you about that. One thing we can see um, numerous examples of in Scripture is, is that our giving is a percentage issue, not an amount issue. Whenever I give to the Lord, He is not comparing what I do to what someone else does in terms of amount, in terms of this person gave a lot and this person gave just a little bit. The way the Lord looks at these things is in relationship to what we possess, not what someone else possesses, what, what, what I do, okay? That's what my giving is compared to. And so if I understand that, I can know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in my, my spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. Now, even in the Old Covenant, when they were, uh, when Israel was commanded and they were given very specific instructions as to different types of offerings that they had to bring to the Lord, they had one called a sin offering. And they were, they were told when this sin happens, you do this, you bring this before the Lord. Uh, but it wasn't the same for everybody. It was based upon what an individual had. Uh, Let me give you a reference. Leviticus 5, 7 reads, If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespasses which he has committed two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. So if you don't have a lamb, lamb would be desirable. Lamb would be good. Okay, so of course you all know we're not bringing sin offerings, right? Okay, Jesus, sin offering. Okay, good. We're good there. Just to get the principle, though. That's what we're looking for. If you didn't have a lamb, you could bring some birds. All right? You could bring some pigeons um, uh, or two turtle doves. All right? Leviticus 5, verse 11, a few verses later. But if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he who sinned shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah, an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. So bring a lamb. You don't have a lamb? Uh, bring some birds. All right? You don't have them? Bring some flour. Bring some fine flour, and, and that'll work for you. Do, do you see how God thinks? Even though they were, they were, of course, under sin and all that kind of stuff there, he said to fix it, it's relative to what you can do. What do you have? Not what someone else can do, what you can do. And so we get this, this idea of how the Lord thinks about what we bring to him. Even in the, in, in the life of Jesus, remember uh, his parents were following their law and they brought their offering when he was eight days old. And you, you find something, else, something out about their financial state because of their type of offering, how they brought the lesser offering as opposed to the lamb. And what that shows us is we see, okay, Jesus' parents were not necessarily wealthy. uh, Otherwise, they would have brought the lamb for him, right? Now, if you would, look with me at Mark chapter 12. 
and look at this with your own eyes. Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. Here we have revelation from Jesus that shows us this this principle further. It reads in verse 41, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. Okay, now that might be kind of blind to us. We don't understand mites and quadrants, but in the, the research I've done, it's, there's, it's not real simple because it has to do with coinage and so forth of their day. But it was anywhere from a matter of change to a couple bucks, but it wasn't a lot in, in quantity, but it was a lot to her. All right, verse 43, so he calls his, called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given into the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now look, look, at, look at Jesus and his revelation, his insight into what was happening there. Some were bringing great offerings, and one widow woman put in just a very small amount of money, but he said hers was bigger. That was a better offering there. Was it monetarily worth more? It was hardly worth anything according to their standards of that day, but to God, it was worth a lot. Are you listening? Can we see that, that the Lord looks at percentage and not just amount? Her offering was a 100% gift to God. That means something to the Lord. Now, now, if you think about it here, there's no mention at all in these verses that, that anyone acknowledged her. That anyone else said, you know what, way to go. We, we, just, uh, we, we praise uh, what she did in giving up such a great sacrifice and giving all of her income into this uh, treasury. No, there's no mention at all of anyone noticing, of anyone acknowledging that. But how many know uh, God saw it? I mean, not only Jesus saw it there in the flesh, God the Father saw it from up above. Huh? And he saw what, what, what she was doing. I think that's, there's a lesson to be learned there. Uh, sometimes we do all we do, and it's all for the uh, attention, for the appreciation, for the acknowledgement of other people. And we think, man, so, someone says, man, I do all this and I give all this, and no one ever says anything. No one ever uh, appreciates me. Well, well, the Lord does. He does. He really does see. He really does understand what you give up. He really does see what, what, what you are doing. And that's what matters. See, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not the judgment seat of Mark. Huh? You, you and I, are going to, we stand before Him. Before Him we, li- we live or die, right? It, we, we need to be mindful of the Lord and His involvement and not just looking for others to, to, to pat us on the back. Everybody Okay. Huh? Because listen, a lot of people will misjudge. People will, uh, people will say things about you and their, their judgment won't be accurate. And this might sound different, but I, I've had times where I've gone and I was intending to say something to someone really positive and the, Lord's, the Lord stopped me. And I thought, why? What's going on there? Well, I wanted to encourage this person and say some real positive things. And the Lord, the Lord dealt with me to not do it. 
So what's going on? Here's the thing. I don't necessarily know. I don't know. But he knows. And maybe I was about to say something contrary to what he was about, that what he was dealing with them about already. Because I judge from my viewpoint and I think something is a certain way. And I think that's good or that's bad. But my judgment isn't necessarily accurate. He sees the heart. He knows what they really put into it. He knows what it meant to them. Man, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Uh, I want to be mindful of him. Uh, Giving is one of the greatest indicators of a person's faith, of a person's confidence in God. It reveals maturity when a person can do things privately, meaning no one else knows. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to try to impress anyone. I'm going to do it between me and the Lord. That shows some real, some real, real maturity. Now, when we talk about this word, and people ask about it all the time, but we talk about the word tithe, okay? The word tithe, T-I-T-H-E, tithe. What does that mean? What does it mean to God? What should it mean to us? Um, this word is not, let me start there, it's not just a, a religious sounding word or a biblical sounding word that references anything given to God. All right. Sometimes individuals will say, you know, I have this extra in my life or whatever. I'm going to give, I'm just going to use that as my tithe, as my tithing. Well, that's a misunderstanding of what that is because actually it is a really hard fact percentage. The word tithe means a tenth. It doesn't mean anything given to the Lord. Okay, this is my tithing. Well, if it's a tenth, that's what it is. You understand? It means 10%. It's figured on the calculator. That's just what it is. um, So one then could not, one couldn't tithe 5% because that's a contradiction of terms. One could not tithe 20%. Because that that's a contradiction of terms. It simply is a tenth. That's what it is. That's the name. That's the biblical name for it. And so, uh, again, I don't, wanna, I don't want it to be confused with just giving in general. This is my tithing. No, a tithe is a tenth. It's not more. It's not less. Uh, um, so we are all basically doing something in our life with the tithe. Someone said, well, some tithe and some don't. No, no, no. Some tithe at the mall. Some tithe with, to their bills. Some tithe to the Lord. I mean, because it's just a percentage that we all have. We all have that percentage. It's just a matter of how do we view it? What do we think about it? What does God think about it? What are we doing with it? We are either taking the tithe, every single one of us, 100% of us, kids, adults, uh, whatever, you know, People in the middle of their career, people retired, whatever. We all have whatever comes to us, we are doing something with a tenth. We're either spending it or we might be saving it, you know, investing investing it, saving it, that kind of thing, or we're giving it, all right? But we're all doing one of those things. We're we're, we're doing something with that tithe. Uh, Like I said, your kids do something with it. When your kids get money, how do you teach them to treat that? that tithe? Are they supposed to just treat it like everything else? I'm just asking. There's no condemnation here. Is it just like everything else or is it different? Is it more significant than the other 90? Does it take on any more weight? 
How, how do you teach them to deal with their stuff? If they get 10 bucks, is that 10 bucks at the movies or on the mountain or, uh, 10, or is it? No, no. Whenever something comes to you, part of that goes to the kingdom of God always. And that's what I'm proposing. That's what I'm, I'm, put, I'm putting this out. But I want you to process this with me a bit and think through it. Because we're all doing something with it. Look at Genesis chapter 14 with me. It's the very first book in the Bible. This would be called in, in you know, theology and so forth, the law of first mention. It's the first time this, this is used in Scripture. Um, the, and I say this, the tithe or the, the word tithe. In Genesis chapter 14, we read about Abram. He's later... Of course, his name expands to Abraham through the covenant he had with God. But Abraham had come back from a a victorious battle. And uh, after that battle, and he had retained all these goods from the battle, it says in verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was priest of the Most High God. Who was? Melchizedek. He's a guy that people have struggled for a long time to try to figure out who he was because the Bible doesn't say very much about him. Like, who is this guy? Where'd he come from? Where'd he go? But what we do know about him is he's called a priest of the Most High God, and we see from the New Testament as well that he is a type and a shadow or a picture of Jesus, all right? So he's a picture of Jesus to us today, and he was, uh, verse 19, he blessed him and said, "Blessed, blessed be Abram, of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, now Abram here, he gave him a tithe of all. Abram gave to Melchizedek 10% of all that he won in this battle. Okay? And so uh, we see that the tithe came after a blessing, after the Lord gave him victory, that way he was able to calculate and would know what 10% is. It wasn't just some random amount, and he called it a tithe, but the tithe by itself meant he took 10% of it and said, I'm giving this to the Lord, and he did that through Melchizedek. This is interesting to me, that right after this, even though he was blessed beforehand because of God's covenant promises to him, right after this, the Lord also said something else. It's 15, chapter 15 in verse 1, just a couple verses later. And these, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So he offered and gave, gave the tithe and the Lord said, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. That might not mean something to us real clearly in modern uh, or many of our translations. We might think that's a trophy or something or <laughs> something spiritual. Uh, uh, but the Amplified Bible reads this way. I am your shield, your abundant compensation, and your reward shall be exceedingly great. Listen to what the Lord, how the Lord revealed himself. He said, I am your abundant compensation. Do you know the Lord is that? We think, oh, the Lord is holy. Oh, the Lord is... Uh, you know, king, the Lord is God, the Lord is healer, the Lord is savior, and he's your compensation. He's the one who rewards you. Yeah, he was to him. He is to you and I today, all right, you and me today. Uh, The Lord is our abundant compensation. He said this right in the context 
of that first usage of the word tithe in the Bible. Now, if I didn't have any of this, if I didn't even have a Bible, I knew none of the scriptures and uh, I didn't uh, arrive at wisdom or the will of the Lord using it. If I were just to go by experience, this catches my attention because over the years, I have had many, many, many people tell me that immediately following their decision to take their tenth, their tithe, and give it to the Lord, and they committed to do that, whether they could afford it, whether they couldn't afford it, whatever, but they committed to do that, that immediately, almost immediately, so many situations, that blessings started coming into their lives. Pay raises, promotions, money comes from out of the blue. They never would have known about it. And it all happens right when they decide to do that with that tithe. And here's the the deal. I'm real practical. When I hear that enough, I get to take notice. What's up with that? I mean, it's not coincidence because I've heard, I heard, I mean, of course, I already preached this message once today and already heard it today. And people told me just in the hallway, this is, this is what happened to me. And I did this and this happened in my life. And there's just so much that if I'm really going to be straight with people and kind and love them, I got to let you know about this. This happens a lot. (laughs) Uh, This happens a lot. No one's asking you for anything, by the way. That's not, that's not the end of this. We're not asking for anybody's money. No one's going to be pressured to do anything. I just want to talk to you about what does the Lord think about this? And if we can discover it and think like Him and do like Him, we're all going to be better off. Yeah. And, and, and so I find that interesting that he, he told Abram that in that context. Um, but here's some things about this. This is the first mention in the Bible of the tithe. I, mean, I, I said that to you. It, it might not be the first usage, by the way. It might not be the first time it was ever said. I don't know that, it, that Abraham uh, here invented the word. You know what I'm saying? It, it, have you ever noticed when you study the Bible, especially like the book of Genesis, you read about creation, you read about the fall, you read about Cain and Abel, and, and, and there's a bunch of stuff that happens in a few verses, and all of a sudden they're married, all of a sudden they have kids, all of a sudden there's all these people everywhere. And you thought, where did they come from? Where did all these people come from? And there's another city over here, and, and, and here's the deal. When you read uh, the book of Genesis, do you know that within a very few verses you read hundreds of years? And we read it in five minutes and think, where did they come from? We are getting a very small part of the events that took place. And they literally jump years and years and years into the future. And so there's a lot happening on the earth already. So when we read this, I'm not convinced that this is the first time that the tithe was in practice or being used by people. It's just the first account that I read about. Does that make sense? Okay. And so uh, this event is, is um, way before the law. Remember Moses, the Ten Commandments and the law, the laws of tithing. This is way before that. So he's not doing it based on that. He's not doing it from what I can read based on any kind of commandment or requirement. You have to tithe. You have to do this. I don't see that. 
but I still see him doing it. And so it makes me ask questions about what is the basis. I don't see in here that he paid his tithe. Okay? I don't see that he thought of it as a bill. Or like paying off, you know, protection. Get your tithe in there so the Lord doesn't take it out of your appliances or something. <laughs> I, I, I don't see that he paid it. I see that he gave it. Okay? I see other language in the law where it was paid. But I don't see that here. Uh, later, later in the scripture, and later under the law, we see that God did command it to Israel. They were commanded to tithe. They said, you have to do this. This is required. You, you must keep this holy to me. All right? But then I asked the question, where did it come, where did it start with? Did, did God get the idea from Abram? Or did Abram get the idea from God, even though we don't have record of it? I mean, because God is the one. He put his voice behind it. He said, it's holy, man. You don't touch it. It's holy. That was under the law. He said, it's holy to me. Where'd you get that idea of the tithe, Lord? You've been stealing Abram's notes? Here's what I think. I think that it's always been. I don't have a, I can't prove this necessarily. I'm just kind of use logic with I think that it's always meant something when a person takes a part of what is in their control and by their own will they offer it to the Lord and what we know that God does not looking at amounts but percentages and so where do you start what a percentage I think the tithe the tenth was God's idea even though it wasn't originally commanded, I still think it was a godly thing that he came up with that, and it wasn't him getting the idea from people. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, if it doesn't, then hold on. Let's keep going. Let's go 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 a little bit further. If um, if that would would not be would not be the case, at what percentage should a person? begin to give to the Lord. I mean, I can see that percentage. That's all over Scripture. If that's not the case, at what percentage would one start giving? How many know all that we do has to be done by faith? And faith begins where the will of God is known. And so how would I know where to begin? How would I know where to start? Here's a verse in Hebrews chapter 7. Notice what it it, it says over here. Hebrews 7 verse 8. It reads, Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Here where? Here on earth. Mortal men, people. You can't give your tithe directly into into heaven. Here people receive tithes, but what? There who receives them? He receives them of whom it's testified that he lives. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. The antitype of Melchizedek is still receiving tithes. What we do here, I mean, this is amazing. I can do something here and give something, and literally God receives it. Jesus himself receives it in heaven. I think that's a powerful thing. And what I'm looking for is the acceptance of what I do. Are, Are the things that I sacrifice to the Lord acceptable to God? That's what I'm trying to end up in that category where I know when I bring my tithe to him, 
he likes it. It's, it's, it's an acceptable way to give to God. All right? Now, one person might say, and I've heard some say this. Uh, they say, well, I think that's all Old Testament. I think that's all Old Covenant. That's law and so forth when you talk about the tithe. Um, and they say it's not mentioned much in the New Testament. Of course, it's not. It's just a couple play here, and Jesus talked about it. But Jesus was a teacher of the law as well. And so uh, they say, well, I don't think that's for today, for the covenant of grace and for the new covenant. Um, one thing I can say, first of all, is, is this. There are quite a few things in the Old Testament that we practice in the new without questioning. For example, some of the ways that we worship. Some of the ways that we praise, like praising God with a loud voice. I don't generally see people objecting to that. <clears throat> That's Old Testament. Just putting me under the law. Tell me I have to praise and be happy. <laughs> I have to worship God and enjoy it. You know, and, and rejoicing and dancing and things of, the, things of this nature. That's Old Testament. Well, no. It was expounded on there, but it's upgraded in the new covenant by adding the Holy Spirit. You know, we're in, we worship in spirit and truth, but we still have many of the same expressions, even that are not defined and laid out in the new covenant. But maybe it's just that, that one has to do with money, and that's why it bugs people. And I think so a lot of times. I'm not saying with everyone. Listen, if a person came to me and said, I honestly, I've studied this, I've looked at this, I don't, I don't really see that, that, that tithing is a new covenant, you know, practice or principle or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I just think we should be led of the Spirit in our giving. If someone is really coming from that perspective and their heart is right with God, I'm not going to challenge that. Listen, I respect people who are, who are, who are upright and honest before God. But I would just ask you this. Is that really it, or is it about the money? I'm not going to assume the answer, but I would ask you, is that really it? Is it really revelation to you? That's what you're revel, Or is it really about the money? Because, again, I think this, if we don't deal with this, we cap our relationship with God. Because things have a hold on people so often. Material possessions and their wealth and their future well-being, it has a hold on people. And when they let it go, they they take off in God and they really start to grow and they really start to experience him like never before and honestly bottom line that's all I'm interested in it is I want you to have such an amazing relationship with God that you can hardly stand it I want us to come together and we all love God so much and we just enjoy his word and his ways and his spirit and we just have a party every Sunday Woo-hoo! I mean, none of us are limited because we're so in love with our stuff but we keep it holy and we say Lord I'm going to offer it up to you. And so, you know, if a person said, well, I'm just led of the Spirit in my giving. Okay, good. I believe in being led of the Spirit. I mean, led of the Spirit in my giving as well. Uh, I, would, I would wonder this, though. If someone said, no, that's Old Testament. That's just law. Uh, in the New Covenant, in your Spirit-led life, if someone were to consistently do less than what they did under an inferior covenant... I question that. 
I think if I'm really being led of the Spirit under a better covenant, better promises, I've got more perks and more blessings than they ever had. I have the very life of God, and I'm going to do less than those people who were bound under the law, under the law of sin and death. And, you know, so I would just ask those questions. And ultimately, you know, you stand before God in your relationship. I do with mine. We don't need to be questioning each other. Let's just seek the heart of God. Let's do things His way. Someone said, oh, what if I just really don't want to? Then don't. Is that good enough? It's your relationship with God. You can take it out for a spin if you want, or you can park it. Huh? But, I mean, this thing can go far. This thing can go a long ways. I don't think we've even come close to tapping it out. I think there's so much we can experience, and uh, I want it all. But I don't want to leave these little rooms in my house that the Lord can't go in. Huh? I don't want to have these areas of my life. Stay out of that. Don't talk about that. You know, then we fall into cane mode and get upset. Ah, oh, here they go again. Here they <laughs> Here they go again, talking about my money. Okay, Cain. Settle down. No one's after your stuff. Just relax and chill. Everybody okay? Uh, I get asked questions about these things a lot. Let me, let me do a, a brief, try to be quick, brief Q&A thing here. I, I get asked questions sometimes about the tithe. People say, should I use or can I use the tithe to pay for my kids X, Y, Z? You know, to pay for my, you know, and maybe it's a good cause. Maybe it's, I'm going to pay for them to go to church camp or something. And can I use my tithe for that? And, and if you want to know, if you're not asking the question, you don't need to know the answer. But if you are, uh, you want to know what I think? No. Okay. I think that when I, give, when I give something to the Lord, I literally give up control of it. I don't get a direct benefit other than His promises, His faithfulness, His provision. But I'm giving up control of what, how it immediately benefits me. That's the, that, that's the way I, I like to, to give. People ask, should I tithe off net or gross? Never had that question. Before taxes, after taxes, where, what, what do I tithe off? Uh, I don't have a hard rule on that, personally. I'll tell you, what we do is we tithe off everything before we pay the government, okay? But I know individuals who do it different, and I don't condemn that at all. Okay, here, here's kind of how the thinking goes. The logic goes like this. If, if I get a check for $1,000, and my pay is 1000 but my check is actually whatever, 800 and something, um, if I can't spend that money on groceries, on bills, on gas, on housing, all that stuff, how can I even tithe off something I never see? That makes sense to me, you know? And if someone views it from that standpoint, they say, so I'm going to tithe off what actually comes into my hand that I have control of. I get that. Here's the other side. The other side of that uh, argument, if you will, is whatever we pay in in taxes and payroll taxes and all that kind of stuff, just or unjust, not different discussion, okay? But we do benefit from living in this country. We do benefit from many of the services that are provided by our tax dollars going to 
uh, you know, fund local and national governments. Okay? From that standpoint, you say, okay, so I tithe off the whole thing because I'm benefiting from it. Are everybody with me? Now you make your own call. All right, you make you make your own decision. What you what you think you ought to do there? People have asked, should I tithe off of gifts? Should I tithe off of gifts? Well, uh, t- I'll tell you how how I think about this. If someone puts cash in my hand, absolutely, I do. I say, oh, you know what? There's an opportunity. And that's not a, not not an obligation, an opportunity to put the Lord first into my life to sow into the kingdom. Okay, if someone gives me a shirt, I'm not tithing off it. I'm not cutting off the sleeve, you know. But listen, seriously, I'm just telling you, I'm not saying whether you should or not. I wouldn't try to figure out the price, you know. Okay, this is worth $50 or this is worth $10 or whatever, and I've got to figure out my tithe and whoever gives me gifts. That seems like a nightmare to me. You know, uh, so I, I don't personally, but w- I don't know what's on your heart. What, what should you do? What's, what about, uh, what about a, a large gift? Okay. To me, it goes again to this. If it's cash, yes. If it's easy for me to do it, that's the way I think. I always want to put the Lord first in that, in that regard. Um, but what if someone gives you a gift and it's a, it's a piece of property, it's not cash, and how do you tithe off of it? Here's something that happened to us a couple years ago. Someone gave us a car, okay? And it was worth about $30,000. So that was a blessing. And uh, so we get, you know, this vehicle worth this much money. What do we do now? Well, we had our, another car it was worth, that we, we was replacing. It was worth about $4,000. I sold that and gave the tithe, okay? Now, what if I didn't have that other car to sell? What if someone just gave me a large gift and I didn't have the cash, I didn't have the ability to give the tithe? I can just tell you how I would think about it. I would not feel obligated. I know technically, yeah, you need to tithe, uh, you know, you should tithe off. But I don't live just in a technical world with my father. It's a relationship. And I think, did he really give me uh, this vehicle and then make me sell it because of my obligation to tithe? I couldn't keep it because I didn't have enough money to... I just don't look at things that way. Amen. I don't know how you might look at it. I don't know, I don't know how you're going to deal with your stuff. But to me, all of this, it's relational. It's a relationship with God. In, and under, even under the Old Testament, they were told concerning their crops and things, they said, keep that tithe holy. Concerning their animals, you know, they would go through this little gate and they would count them. It's, it's in uh, Leviticus 27. And they would count them and count one, two, they had, with a rod. They used this rod to count them. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the Lord's. One, two, and they would count, and that's, that's how they would treat their possessions. And the Lord told them, you need to do this. He said, you keep that tithe holy. And so I just think about our lives. What are we doing with it? Is it holy to us? Is it separate? Is it different? And uh, in my heart it is. It's holy to Him. Now, think about it for a moment. I want, let's, can, can we just take one minute and see big picture? Let's go worldwide here. 
what would be the condition of the church around the world if every person who bowed their knee to Jesus and received their salvation honored the Lord with at least a tenth of their income? Do you know how wealthy the church would be? And I'm not just, I'm talking the individuals within it, and I'm talking the church as a, as a, as the corporate church, meaning the body of Christ, churches around the Treasure Valley would have money to do stuff. They would. Too often, you know, churches and people have visions and they want to reach people. They want to reach the world, but are often limited by the amount of funds that they have available to them. Think about if everyone did. Do you know how, how much more effective we could be in reaching the world? How much effect, more effective we could be just in the Treasure Valley? I'm not just talking life church. If you question any motive here, bring your tithe somewhere else. So I'm, I'm totally serious about that because that's not what, what it's about. But if, if everyone had that same mindset, oh, the body of Christ would be expanding, I think, way beyond what it is today. Amen. Amen. I could tell you stories about this, but, but I tell you, uh, people with good hearts ought to have the resources to fulfill visions. Huh? And if we could see it from that perspective, what would it be like if everyone gave their tithe. I'm not talking about whether you have to or don't have to. I'm just talking about if everyone did. What would happen on an individual basis? What would happen on a church-wide basis? I tell you, it's something to think about. Amen? Amen. Today, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're working in us now. Lord, help us to see, see these things the way you see them. May not a person be condemned or feel that way. That's not the heart and motive of any of this. But may each person rise up and experience your best, your blessing in all areas of their life. We want your fullness. We want your best in every area. So thank you for directing steps and ordering paths aright. Businesses, individuals have business questions. Father, give them wisdom. Tell them how to expand. Show them what to do to increase their sales, increase their their activities. Father, thank you. Give them your heavenly wisdom. We trust in you. We put our confidence that you are going to carry us through. You'll help us all along the way. We'll keep our confidence, our faith in you. It's there to stay. Thank you, Lord, for, for ministering to individuals, for families, for people who are struggling financially and they got bills up the yin-yang, man. Just problems galore. Father, help them to see you as your source today. And if they'll put you first and honor you and trust you, you'll show them a better way. I believe that you're working in us and you're helping all of us to succeed helping all of us to go over the top have victory every day for this we give you all the thanks all the praise all the glory that's due your name in the name of jesus we pray amen